Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. We're getting into chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, and this is really what what I've been trying to get to, but we've been laying this foundation for a few weeks. And, we're, and uh, you know, sometimes I think that the gifts from the Holy Spirit are, are misunderstood. We sang about it today, break down the walls of all my tradition, shake up the ground of all my religion, your way is better. And I think that sometimes there are uh, people have, have, with good intention, but, but we some people have misunderstood the gifts from the Holy Spirit and the application of those. So we're going to be talking more about those in the coming days. And I want to pause also and, and give a little bit of background on these letters from Paul. You know, Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and they are letters that were written to the early churches. And so there, it's believed that there were four letters written to the church of Corinth. So we have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, but we only have... Uh, those two letters in our Bible, the other two were lost. And so it's believed that 1 Corinthians is actually the second letter, not the first letter, and that uh, 2 Corinthians is actually the fourth letter to the Corinthians. And in these letters, Paul was writing to the early church. You know, they, they were new believers, and there was a lot of things that, uh, a lot of tradition, traditions, especially with the Jews, that uh, had a, a misunderstanding, and they had, uh, many of them had missed the Messiah, and there were a lot of things going on where uh, Paul is trying to teach the Gentiles, the, the non-Jews, about the things of God, and there were some Jews that believed, that had become believers, and they were trying to implement the Jewish laws upon the Gentiles, like circumcision and those kinds of things, and we talked about this recently where Paul went to the Jewish council, to the apostles, and he said, okay, so these Jewish, I mean, these Gentile believers, these non-Jews are, are now believing in Christ. What are the things that they need to do? Because they're being told they need to be circumcised. And, but they're filled with the Spirit of God, and they're believers. And, and so the Jewish council said there are four things that they need to abstain from. Uh, food off, offered to idols. Um, abstain from sexual immorality. Um, don't eat uh, uh, animals that were strangled. And don't drink blood. Don't eat or drink blood. And, and those are the four things that, that we're requiring of the Gentile believers. They don't have to get circumcised like the Jews. So there were a lot of things going on, and, and Paul was having to deal with a lot of these issues in the early church. And keep in mind, these were letters. So when we look at our Bible, we see chapter 13, verse 13, or whatever. That wasn't in the original writings. Those, those were letters. Those are there. They've, they have been placed there so we can reference back 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, or whatever. But Paul was attempting to bring understanding and correction to the early church. And 2,000 years later, we're thankful that we have these letters that were written because they're still applicable to us today <laughs> to bring understanding and correction. And, you know, you may be thinking, well, why were, why were there letters written? Well, if you think about it, 2,000 years ago, they, didn't, they couldn't jump on a jet and fly somewhere. Or they couldn't get in a car and drive 250 miles. They had to walk. 
They had to ride on a donkey, maybe uh, travel on a, on a boat. And the other benefit of them being letters written were that we have them today. We have access to them today. And if they would have just been verbal uh, communication, then we wouldn't have those necessarily. And there were perils. There were, there were wild animals that they had to deal with. There were thieves. And we know that there were religious murderers, people that wanted to kill this whole concept of Christ being the Messiah and all this. In fact, they, they, uh, they tried to stone Paul, not with uh, Jack Daniels and marijuana, but with rocks. And they thought he was dead. And he got up and went back into the city and preached some more. So why would Paul risk his own life? Because of the love that he had for the believers? Because he had a gifting and a calling to go and train and equip believers and share the, the life-giving message of Christ that we would be able to fulfill uh, our calling and to go out and live it, live this life out. Equipping disciples to, to equip disciples to equip disciples to equip disciples, what we're called to do. And he was investing into the lives and the families of the believers and preaching the gospel so that unbelievers would come into this awesome relationship. And so this is one reason we know that 1 Corinthians is at least the second letter. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 5.9. When I wrote to you before, okay, so clearly there was correspondence going on. He says, when I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. So if, when we look in the New Testament and even in the Old Testament, we see that we're to abstain from sexual immorality. And that's what the, the Jewish council told Paul to go back and tell the Gentile believers, abstain from sexual immorality. And uh, clearly, Paul had addressed sexual sin in the church before. Do we need to address that today? I just saw recently where there was another pastor in the Houston area that had stepped down because he'd had uh, an adulterous affair. You know, it's happening today, and so you need to pray for us. Pray for your pastors. Pray for the church. Because the Word of God says, but for the grace of God go I. It could happen to anybody. Anybody could get into a trap, but we need to, we need to stay firmly grounded in the Word of God and in our relationship with Christ. And so we talk about this relationship every week because that is what keeps us grounded to the Lord is this relationship. So Paul is writing to believers. He's addressing a number of different issues, many of which we still face today, some of which is ignored by the church today because, oh, well, we don't want to offend anyone. We'd rather see people go to hell than take a chance of offending someone and speaking love and truth to them. So there was division in the church. There was pride, sexual immorality. In 1 Corinthians 5, chapter 1, Paul is addressing a man living in sexual sin with his stepmother. And he's, he's, he's speaking to the church and he's saying, look, even the pagans, even the non-believers don't do this. And yet the church is allowing this man to have sexual relations with his stepmother. So Paul is addressing all of these kinds of things, and, and he talks about Christians bringing lawsuits against one another, suing one another. And he's saying, listen, this shouldn't be in the church. 
we know in Matthew 18, there's, there's, a, there's a format there when we have a problem with someone. What, is, what does it say? If you've got a problem with someone, go to them and talk to them. Don't go talk to everybody else. And so Paul is saying, you shouldn't be suing other believers in the church. You should be mature enough to work this out. And in Matthew 18, it says, listen, if you've got a problem with someone, go and talk to them. If you can't get a resolve, then take two or three people from the church with you and go. Maybe uh, to be intermediates and, and, and to mediate. And then if you still can't come to a resolve, take it to the leaders of the church. So there's a protocol without having to go to court, especially for believers. We shouldn't be suing one another. He gives instructions on marriage, on idolatry. He gives instructions on worships, the spiritual gifts that we're talking about during the series. He talks about speaking in tongues and prophecy. And so we're going to be talking about speaking in tongues. It's Paul, it was Paul's desire to help the Gentiles, the non-Jews, the believers to grow in their faith. That was the intent. And the gifts from the Holy Spirit are for us. They're for you and me. And so it's important that we understand what those gifts are and the application of those gifts. Like, um, well, let me just move on. Spiritual gifts are powerful when used correctly. And I've seen them used incorrectly. And sometimes I think the church has, has misused the gifts or abused them. And that, that, that impacts people. You know, people say, well, I don't want anything to do with this Holy Spirit thing because I've seen some of the craziness in the church or, or, or abuses or misuses. And so during this series, we're talking about what are the gifts and what is the correct application according to the Word of God, not according to some tradition of a denomination or something like that. But what does the Word say? When we look at the Word, it's really pretty clear. It's not that difficult to understand. I don't think any of us would take a butter knife to cut off a tree limb. I don't think anyone would grab a chainsaw to go slice some butter. Now, there may be some guys here that might want to try that and see what would happen. Right? But we have to use the right gifts, the right tools for the right application. Discernment is a spiritual gift. So there are many gifts. There are uh, offices in the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher for what? Equipping the saints so that we come into unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. Our core scripture, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. So there are, there are roles and there are callings. There are, there are lots of giftings. Hospitality is a gift. And when you look at some of the giftings and you, you look at the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, you see that all of these things are wrapped in one thing, love. And so it's interesting when we look at the, when Paul's teaching on the gifts from the Holy Spirit in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, in the center of that, in chapter 13, is all about love because that is the connecting point to the gifts so you may be saying, or maybe you've experienced this, hopefully you have, where the Lord is speaking to you. And you say, well, Lord, what do you want me to do with this word? Why are you telling me this? Why are you giving me this information? And I've shared, we've talked about the, the words the Lord has been giving us over the, the past five years to prepare, 
for the coming days and what's ahead. And so what are we doing with that? Are we saying, okay, Lord, what is your word for me? What, what do you want me to do with this word? How do you want me to apply this to my life, to my family, to my church? So my first point this morning is love is the best gift. And again, this series is building on previous teachings week by week. So there are archive videos or podcasts. Go back and check those out if you've missed some of those. Or go back and listen to them again. Because sometimes I'll go back and listen to a sermon. I'm like, wow, you know, uh, maybe a sermon that I didn't teach. And I'll get something out of that that I didn't get the first time. Or maybe I'll even listen to a previous sermon that I did teach. And the Lord will show me something else that I didn't maybe catch the first time in what he was giving me. So also remember that these are letters, okay? So they weren't broken down in chapter and verse. Um, it was a continuous letter. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. And you guys know, if you have the Bible app, the version, the scriptures and the, and the uh, points are on there. If you go to events and click on Life Fellowship, you'll have all those. And you can have them there for uh, next week to go back and review. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that's best of all. And so then he goes right into chapter 13 uh, talking about love. So he says, but let me show you a way of life that's best of all. He begins that, that's, that passage of saying, so you should earnestly desire earnestly desire the most helpful gifts but let me show you a way that's best of all and so we covered chapter 13 uh four or five weeks ago we talked about that and uh chapter 13 or this section of the letter concludes with verse 13 which is my favorite scripture first corinthians 13 13 these three things last forever faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love but let's jump back to chapter 12 verse 1 in 1 Corinthians. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the spiritual abilities the Spirit gives, I don't want you to misunderstand this. So Paul is taking time to write to the early church, and he's saying, look, I want you to have these spiritual gifts. I want you to understand what they're about, though, about the, the special abilities the Spirit gives. I don't want you to misunderstand this. This indicates that the church is responding to the letters that Paul is writing, and, uh, and, and he's answering some of their questions. It's important that we remain teachable, because we know that the, the Scripture talks about itself being line upon line, precept upon precept. So sometimes you can read a Scripture, and you can get an understanding of it, and then maybe you read it again, and the Holy Spirit gives you greater depth or understanding to that same scripture. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't change what you learn the first, the first time, but God is giving you revelation because it's called the living word. It's alive and active in our hearts and lives. So do you remember Life Fellowship's core values? Love, prayer, obedience, humility, teachability, unity, and service. So those are the core values that surround our mission to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And then the goal of that is we become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. Because we'll be so filled with the love of God and we'll be so intent and so engaged in this relationship that our life will exude the love of Christ because of this relationship. So Paul wants to teach the early church and us about the gifts from the Holy Spirit. 
Paul wants us to understand biblical truths and principles and to understand the correct application of spiritual gifts. Now, keep in mind, the Gentiles, the non-Jews, they didn't have the benefit of being taught in the Jewish uh, synagogues. Like the young Jewish boys would go and, and they would be taught, they would be trained up. They were not taught in the Jewish religion. They didn't have the laws and the writings of Moses to reflect back on like the, the Jews did. Uh, they didn't know, they didn't have the background of the coming Messiah. And some of you did not grow up in church. Some of you were not taught and trained in biblical principles and truths. As Paul wanted the church of Corinth to understand about the special abilities of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Lord wants us to understand today as well. I want you and I want all of Life Fellowship to have a full understanding too. Um, I don't want us to be fearful of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our, our helper, someone to help us. But you, you know, maybe you know some people that are like, oh, I don't know about this Holy Spirit thing, you know. What? He is, he is a gift from God to us to lead us and guide us. Jesus said he, he will lead us and guide us into all truth. He will tell us of things to come. Why wouldn't we want the Holy Spirit resident and present in our lives to lead us and guide us? 1 Corinthians 14.1, let love be your highest goal, period. Well, exclamation point, actually. Let love be your highest goal. Just think if we really, 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 really did love one another. (laughs) But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. So, love is the target. Love is the prize. But there are other gifts that the Lord gives to us. And so, uh, we'll look at prophecy in a couple of weeks. That's a whole other topic that I want to drill down into. But today, I want to talk primarily about speaking in tongues. And speaking in tongues and prophecy are, are connected somewhat, as in all the gifts. And they're connected by love. <laughs> but they're, they're, there's a different application. So... Today and next week's focus is going to be on speaking in tongues. It's a topic that has created a lot of confusion and division in the church. Uh, some, some believers don't believe that the Lord gives gifts to the church today. Some believers don't really believe that God answers prayer today. <laughs> that, that blows me away. Then why would we pray? But we know that he does. We know that he answers prayer. We know that he gives gifts today. And, uh, how, but these are some of the questions you may have thought about. Well, how, how, do, how do we apply speaking in tongues in a church setting? Is speaking in tongues different from praying in tongues? We'll address all of these issues in the coming days as we continue in this series. So my first point this morning is love is the best gift. My second point is, receive his gifts. Lord, whatever gift you want to give to me, I want all of them. And I was thinking about uh, this uh, over the last couple of days, this morning specifically, and I, was, I felt like the Lord was giving me some additional insight on this. And, and one of the things is we need to enjoy our gifts. Enjoy the gifts. 
And don't be jealous of somebody else. Oh, they have the gift of that. I want that gift. Well, why don't you just enjoy and use the gifts that God has given you, and maybe he'll give you that gift too. <laughs> and, and I've heard some people say, oh, well, I have the gift of, you know, whatever. Well, you know what? What I've experienced is God gives us the gift that's needed at that time. So maybe he may give me a word of knowledge or understanding. He may give me a prophetic word. He may allow me to pray for somebody and, and they be healed. Hey, it doesn't matter to me. Whatever the Lord wants to do through my life, I'm good with that. And we should be good with that. But sometimes I think we try to box God in. Oh, he has to do it this way. He doesn't have to do anything in the way that you think he has to. So consider this. A dad gives two computers to 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 have ha. A dad gives two gifts, two computers to two of his children. Does that make sense? Okay, let me see if I can rephrase this. A dad gives two gifts. He gives one computer to one child and another computer to another child. All right. And so he knows their giftings and their wirings and their propensity. If you go, if you think back to what God said to Jeremiah, he said, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. Well, spoiler alert, God knew you before he formed you in the womb. He created each of us individually and special. And so we, we come pre-wired, as it were. Because God knew what you were going to be. He knew how he created you, so he's wired you specifically. And so dad gives one computer to one child, and it's loaded up with all kinds of engineering software and, and how to build stuff. And then the other computer he gives to the other child is loaded up with all this artistic stuff how to do graphic design and artistic kinds of things. Now, which child did the dad love more? Well, let's think about this engineering. Think about the sun is a, is a specific difference from the earth because if it were too close, it'd be too hot, like it was in August. <laughs> if it's too far away, it'd be too cold. We wouldn't be able to survive. So, yeah. God, God is a great engineer. He created everything. But wait a minute. He is creative. Have you ever looked at a, a flower? Have you looked at, at the plants and the trees? Have you looked at your neighbor? He's very creative. So who would you say that God loved more? He loves them the same. But he understands what their propensity is, how he's wired them and created them. Because he knew us before he formed us in the womb. And so we have desires. He, he gives, the word says that the Lord gives us the desires of our heart. He gives us the desires of our heart. So I think that's kind of two layered here. He places those desires in our heart. He gives those to us. He plants those in our heart. But he also brings us to fruition. So he gives us the desires of our heart. He plants those in our hearts. And then he brings those into fruition. So giving us the desires of our heart. I remember my mom told me that when I was about four or five years old, we would come home from church and I would grab magazines and I would hand them out to the family. 
And I would say, okay, let's turn to page 32. And those would be our hymnals, and we would sing. Okay? And then after that, I would preach. And uh, it'd be really interesting to find some of those tapes and see what I was preaching on back then. But here's the, here's the point I want to make. God placed a desire, that desire in me as a young child. But I didn't see it come to fruition for decades later. And so God placed that desire in me. He gave me that. And then he gave me the passion and desire and the opportunity to do what he placed in my heart long ago, probably long before I was even born. Now, I want to kind of bunny trail here uh, for a moment. There, there's a, uh, uh, a particular denomination that I know some pastors, we have friends that go, go to the, the, those churches, and I love them. They're great men and women of God. But they'll say things like, you are filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. In other words, you, you have, if you speak in tongues, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't, I don't see that in the Word of God. That's a doctrinal thing for this particular denomination. And again, they're great people. They love God, and, and I have friends that are in that denomination. But when we look at the Scripture, have we taken our traditions and lined them up with the Word of God, or have we taken the Word of God to line it up with our traditions? We need to know what the Word says and that becomes our doctrine, that becomes our tradition, that becomes what we teach. And, for example, um, we have a good friend that goes to uh, a church there in that denomination. And they were not able to lead a life group because she didn't speak in tongues. Well... Uh, a short time later, she went with Pastor Christine and the women. They went to a women's conference, and she got her prayer language. Okay, now she's able to lead a life group. Well, wait a minute. It's a gift. And, I, and I'll talk more about prayer language, too, in this series. I'm so excited about that. Is there a difference between speaking in tongues and a prayer language? Could be the same language, different, uh, different application, right? We'll get into that later. But here's my point. The Lord chooses the gifts that he gives to us. He doesn't manipulate us like maybe we would do. Here, son, here's, here's a bat and a glove and a baseball. I want you to play baseball. Or here's, here's an artist set, some, some paint and some brushes. God knows us better than we know ourselves. So he's going to pour into us. He's going to give us the giftings that, that we were designed for, that he knows will resonate within our heart, that we have a passion for. There are things, when, you, when I look across this room, we all have different passions for different things. How many of you have a passion to play drums? Okay. All right. So some of you couldn't care less about that. And when I look at drums, I'm looking at the drum, I'm listening to how it's tuned, I'm checking out what kind of cymbals they have, what kind of brand of drums they have. How many of you like to fish? Okay, now you're talking rods and reels, boat, uh, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff, type of fish, type of lure, do you use live shrimp or dead shrimp or something else? So God has wired all of us differently. 
And so you have passions that are unique to you. You have desires, godly desires that are unique to you. So 1 Corinthians 14.1, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. We'll get there in this series. The Lord does not give gifts to harm us or to cause division. So do we see, have we seen that in the church? That should not be. I think it's because maybe we don't understand the gifts or the application of those things. But God, God is not going to give us a gift to harm us. Let's jump ahead for a minute here to 1 Corinthians 14.33. In the New American Standard Bible, I, I, we typically teach out of the New Living Translation. So whenever we deviate, it'll be on the slide. 1 Corinthians 14.33. For God is not a God of confusion but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. God is not a God of confusion. So if we don't understand something, it's not that God is confused. (laughs) We need to go back and say, okay, Lord, I need some understanding and wisdom and insight on this. That's why I'm encouraging all of us to read Proverbs every day. Read Read a chapter of Proverbs. It's good for you. It's like good stuff. Uh, So let's look at it in the NLT. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. Now, the Bible talks about there is someone that is the author of confusion, and his name is Satan. He is the author, uh, the enemy of our soul, who would cause division. Think about this. God wants to to pour His Holy Spirit into our lives. God wants to give us spiritual giftings. Who do you think would want to cause division and and misunderstanding? Would it be God? Mm, No. The enemy of our soul is the author of confusion, and we know that Jesus said in John 10.10, what did He say? The thief has come to what? Steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you would have abundant life? John 8, 44 says, uh, Jesus refers to Satan as a murderer and a liar, the father of lies. Again, what is the purpose of the enemy? To steal, kill, and destroy? Ephesians 2, 10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. Think about that. Look at your neighbor and say, you're God's masterpiece. Say it like you mean it. Come on. <laughs> you are God's masterpiece. He has created us. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can what? Do the good things that He planned for us long ago. Somebody's alarm is going off. Okay, all right. So uh, he created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. He has wonderful gifts for you. You know, back to the, the, the dad giving the two computers. God's love for us is not based 
on the gifts that he gives us. And, and, and so, you know, if we say, well, if we try to differentiate that there is more love for someone that has a, a gifting than another, I think we're missing it because God loves us all. And most importantly, he wants to have this relationship with us. That's what defines our, our love is, is, is our relationship. So love is the best gift. Receive his gifts for us and use the gifts properly and in love. <laughs> That's important. Okay, back to chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, chapter 14, 1. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy, verse 2. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will only be talking to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be mysterious. So, if someone is speaking in tongues, who are, who are they speaking to? They're talking to God. But it's mysterious to everyone around them. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be mysterious. We just read that speaking in tongues is for our benefit. And, if you, and we'll touch on this later. In Jude 20, it says, when we pray in the Spirit, we are built up. So... Again, we're talking about speaking and, and we're talking about praying, praying in the Spirit, speaking in the Spirit, speaking in tongues. But those are for our benefit. Now, we will find, and we'll get into this a little bit later, probably next week, uh, that speaking in tongues can be for the benefit of the unbeliever. And, and, and Paul talks about how that it must be interpreted. So I, I'm not going to... Drill too, too much into that today. We'll, you'll have to come back next week. We'll look, more, look at that more later. But I think some Christians have misunderstood. Is there a difference between speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues for the unbeliever? Is, is uh, a prayer language different? Is it a different application? So we're going to talk more about these things as we drill down. But just as we read, speaking in tongues is for our benefit to build us up. And uh, Paul, however, is clear that prophecy is better. And again, I, I won't get into it too much today, but he says it's better that you speak a few words that can be understood than a whole bunch of words that nobody understands. Because what's the purpose here? Is it to prove how spiritual mature we are or how gifted we are? No. The goal of the gifts is that the church, the body is edified, that we are, there are gifts to edify us and build us because we need to be built up, but also that we build up the church, the body of Christ. And, and so it's better to speak, Paul says, it's better to speak a, f a few words of the Lord without the need for interpretation. It may be impressive to people. Oh, look, they're speaking in tongues. But what is the benefit to the body of Christ? It benefits them. So, and, and we'll see, too, that Paul does not prohibit speaking in tongues. He doesn't prohibit that. He says, don't prohibit it. But he brings clarification of what the gift is for and how to apply the gift. 
It's really pretty clear. It's not that confusing when we read the Word. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. We need to be strengthened. That's part of the benefit of coming together as the body of Christ, is that we are strengthened. We are encouraged. We comfort one another. And we are comforted by one another. We are encouraged by one another. So, I'm going to stop here. Uh, I, you know, I just, I was going to try to teach all this in one setting, and I'm like, there's just too much. And so I want, I want us to, to think, maybe go back and read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and, and, and chapter 14, or at least 1 through 4 in the Scriptures. And let's really meditate on those Scriptures and say, Lord, give me an understanding of your Word here. Give me an understanding of the gifts that you have for me and how to use those properly in love. So, are we becoming more spiritually mature? Are we understanding the calling and the gifting that God has on our life? Are we understanding how we can use those gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a difference in the lives of lost people that don't know Jesus, that are suffering? Their lives are being destroyed. They're lost. The gifts are, are given to us so that we can use them properly to share the hope and the love of Christ with others. Be encouraged ourselves, true, but that we could reach out to others. So love is the best gift. Receive his gifts. Use the gifts properly. And in love. What did Jesus say? He said, they'll know that you're my disciples by the gifts that you have. No. By the religion that, no. They'll know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. And so when he infuses us with a great measure of his love, it can't help but flow out to others.